When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of the Yard. Hope you had a good weekend. Maybe we didn't get the great weekend we wanted in sports. We had a good weekend, not a great weekend. We're going to break it all down for you today. Hope you uh, you guys had a chance to get out and go do some cool stuff, even if you weren't in Starkville. I mean, there's no point in uh, living and working just to pay bills. You got to get out and have some fun. So if you're not in the uh, greater Starkville area or you're not a person that can get to games very often, we hope you watched us on TV and then maybe got out and, I don't know, made some good use of your money other than just uh, raising kids and paying the mortgage. That's a necessity of life. It ain't always so fun, but uh, it's a good thing when you get out and go do some cool stuff with your family. I'm a big advocate of packing the car and having a good time. We had a, uh, a busy, busy, busy Sunday. Had a, a really busy Saturday and an even busier Sunday. Uh, to True Rest Float Spa. Thank you, everybody else, for coming out. The great reviews, man, it means so much to me. You know, we believe in this business and in this product, and it's so incredible uh, to see people come and get benefit from it. And uh, as I tell Dana, and I continue to say this, I've never worked anywhere where everybody left happy, where everybody left smiling. It's a much, much different dynamic than what I'm used to all those years in retail. You, know, you always have customer complaints and things like that, but this product sells itself, man. I don't have to sell you. I just got to get you in the pod one time, and uh, you'll figure it out from there. Uh, so be sure and visit uh, our, our TrueRest.com website, but you can also uh, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, TrueRest Starkville. Call 662-268-7601 to book. But uh, yeah, good weekend, and uh, we're going to have uh, a lot to talk about today as things are really heating up on the basketball side. Men playing well, women not so much. Baseball kind of had a mixed bag weekend and uh, had a losing week when it's all said and done. We can ill afford to do that. We can't continue to have all these non-conference losses stack up on us. If not, we're going to have a record kind of similar to what we've had the last two years, and that just can't happen. It just can't happen. As simple as that. So we're going to break everything down, kind of look ahead to uh, to the week ahead of us. Uh, I know that uh, we had uh, some basketball pressers today, and I guess we have one tomorrow. And uh, baseball Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Some people have already asked about uh, early start times for Thursday, Friday. I'm told they're somewhat weather-related, but I do know that Chris Simonis likes playing the, uh, you know, the 4 o'clock game. We're playing at 3. Three, three, and two. I guess is if memory serves me correct. As we get closer, we'll talk about that. And uh, Jackson State tomorrow night. Tigers are off a pretty good start. And granted, they've played uh, you know not so great competition, but they're six and two. We'll have a full preview of the game tomorrow, and uh, we'll be out there. Also, one of the biggest sporting events in a long time at Mississippi State is going to take place tomorrow night at Humphrey Coliseum, and uh, it's a sellout. If you can get tickets on a secondary market, we encourage you to be there. We don't want any Kentucky fans there. When they do show up, we want to treat them as guests, but uh, I'm a firm believer that uh, opposing fans should be seen and not heard like good children. So we need as much maroon as we can get in the building. Uh, you students, man, we're going, to need, we're going to need your best effort of the season. You know, last week you had the big game against Ole Miss. You guys turned out you were amazing. 
I'm going to need you to ramp it up about 10 times against Kentucky. This is a huge, huge game. And again, one of the bigger sporting events that we've had in a long time, especially in Humphrey Coliseum on the men's side. Huge opportunity for the Bulldogs to play against a Kentucky team that played awfully well against Alabama on over the weekend. A lot of people thought Kentucky was done. They took Alabama to the woodshed. Man, what a, what a game though, right? Nuts, man. 202 points scored in that game. I think that's right. Crazy. Crazy. So we expect uh, a very talented Kentucky team to come in here and uh, and give us a real ball game. But uh, it is the home court advantage for Mississippi State. Again, we need a raucous atmosphere, period. And uh, for those of you looking to kind of double dip, you should be able to do that. Come over to baseball for a while, maybe congregate, then mosey on over to Humphrey Coliseum. you got a, an assigned seat there. But uh, we need a tremendous crowd. We're expecting a big crowd, but we need the crowd to be participants in the game and not just spectators. So don't just go out there and sit on your hands and try to be entertained. Uh, we need you to go out there and give Kentucky all they want and then some. Don't throw anything onto the court. Don't do anything stupid. But go out there and with your voices, when your support of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, make it a very difficult place to play. Hey, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I absolutely love them, and they love me. It's a great relationship. They've been with me for a long time. I've been with them. As a matter of fact, I was with them before they were with me. Had a great experience with them from the very beginning. Me and my friend Brian Haydad. You guys know Brian. We went together for the very first time to eat at Bulldog Burger Company and kind of walked away and said, you know what, I think this place is going to be okay. Yeah, I think they're going to be okay. And now you look so many years later, Bulldog Burger Company still here, still doing a great job. Expanded their burger empire, too. Now in Tupelo, now in the Ridge and Flowood area. Again, here on University Drive, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Three, three great locations, all living up to the same standard. Right? You know how sometimes companies begin to expand and you see service and quality of food maybe diminished? No, not with Bulldog Burger Company. No, not at all. So next time you're in town or you're on the road heading here, you know, not out with friends or family, look no further than Bulldog Burger Company. Have that great restaurant quality hamburger. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. Maybe if you're not feeling like a burger, but maybe the kids are, have that BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. That's perfectly okay. And get that chocolate shake to go or perhaps that bread pudding. I'm a huge advocate for dessert to go. Huge, huge. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, our biggest story. Mississippi State rolls down to the PMAC, and a huge, huge win. We were hopeful to win this game. I don't know a lot of people that were expecting us to win. It's not some huge upset. I mean, this LSU team has just kind of been, as the kids say, mid. But we have been so bad on the road you just couldn't have a ton of confidence about the game. I thought the matchup favored Mississippi State. I thought Tolu could have a good ball game. I just don't think they have anybody athletic enough uh, to really compete with Tolu Smith. And the Bulldogs go down there and win by 20. And, man, this second half was not close. And, again, it, it's kind of nip and tuck for a while. State goes on a little run there to close the half in the first half. It, they get into the intermission with a seven-point lead. In the second half, though, it's all Bulldogs. It is. I mean, what a great job Josh Hubbard did. This team simply has a different look right now. And we talked about that earlier in the year. And that's the thing where I think Chris Jans and his staff deserve so much credit. You didn't have Tolu for a dozen games. 
Then you bring him back. Then you have, of course, the Andrew Taylor situation, Keyshawn Murphy. Taylor's gone. Taylor, and now uh, Murphy's back and playing well for us. I thought he was really, really good on Saturday. But it's taken a few games into the conference schedule for this team to kind of gel. And we always talk about you want to be playing your best basketball down the stretch, and Mississippi State certainly is. Great, great game here for us. And it just felt like Josh Hubbard just could not miss in that second half. And again, I love the fact, and Chris Jans has spoken about this multiple times, hey, the team wants him to turn it loose. You know, a lot of people would say, well, you know, you know, he's a volume shooter. No, we need him to be good. We need him to help change the spacing on the floor. You don't need everybody sagging down and double teaming Tolu Smith. He's going to deal with some of that anyway when that entry, post gets into the, that, that entry pass gets into the post. Uh, but we need to have an inside game. You saw it last year with the worst three-point shooting team in the country. And now all of a sudden you, you've got one of the best freshmen in all of college basketball wearing maroon and white. Pretty significant. And uh, yeah, I, I go back to this one stretch here. LSU had cut things down to 10 with just under nine minutes to play. And you think, well, this may be an exciting finish. Well, it was for us, but maybe not in the way that LSU folks intended. Uh, Josh Hubbard knocks down a couple free throws there just before the six-minute break. Pushy State up 15. So, you know, next thing you know, we're under six, and then it's Hubbard drilling the three to push State up 18. So five straight points for him, but it's just one of those scenarios where – you can tell Josh Hubbard isn't your typical freshman, but also, too, he is so comfortable within his role and with his teammates, with his shooting opportunities, that he is playing with a ton of confidence. He's always been a very confident player. He knows that he can shoot. But all of a sudden, now within the framework of this offense, he just looks more comfortable. He does, and there sometimes say, hey, we'll just drive out there and kick it out to him and he knocks it home. It just makes life so much easier. You have to defend all five spots on the floor. And people are beginning to kind of realize, okay, Josh Hubbard's a real dude. And, you know, we got an SEC play. They started putting bigger guards on him, making him shoot over those, those players to make that low percentage shot even more difficult. But now Chris Jans and the staff doing a good job getting him some more open looks. The team doing a good job getting him more open looks. Everybody benefits, and it really feels like this is a team, right? I mean, that's the thing, and they should be, right? I mean, you got so many guys that have played so many years together, and then you throw Josh Hubbard kind of in the mix there. And, of course, Keyshawn Murphy guys kind of been in and out a little bit. But you really get a sense that they're playing for each other. I, I thought it was one of our best performances in a long time, uh, not just in the Chris Jans era, e even going back to some of the Ben Howland years. For us to be able to go down there in a place that uh, – you know, just saw LSU upset Kentucky at a buzzer. You know, so and it was a big crowd, but, man, it was quiet. There was no juice. I mean, Justin Farmer and I are texting when he's in the game, and I was like, man, it seems really quiet on TV. He goes, well, it is. There's just not a lot going on here. And I think a lot of that, too, I think, number one, LSU fans are very bandwagonish when it comes to men's basketball. They love football and baseball. They're just kind of okay when it comes to basketball. They call that place a death dome, but it's kind of a joke. But I think our team just basically took the crowd out of the game. And again, you look up here late with just over four minutes to go, and there's Hubbard ramming home another three. So it's 22 points. So that, I mean, that, that stretch there, you know, four, four or five minute stretch there, we take it from 10 to 22. We double the lead. Guys, it gets as high as 27. 
And then you start thinking, we're just going to blow these guys out. And we did. You know, Derek Fountain hits a three late, you know, at the buzzer to make it a 20-point game, but he was really a non-factor. Unless we wish that kid to bed. He's a good kid. It just didn't work out for us here. And maybe if he hung around, maybe he would have. I think that's the kind of player that Chris Jans could have worked with. You know, he's a blue-collar guy willing to get on the floor and do some good things. Let's look inside the numbers here, Josh. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends, we live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having the outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. you got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out, so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. 
And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hubbard with 32 points. That's kind of stuff to get you SEC Player of the Week honors. You go on the road and you play a team that uh, has had some big wins as of late, and you show up and you go 6 of 12 from beyond the arc, 9 of 17 from the floor and drill all 80 of your free throws and set a career high. Yeah, that typically works well. Cameron Matthews, again, Cam didn't play much. People forget him. He had two quick fouls the next thing you know. And, and I thought the crew said it best is the fact that State had a lead at the half without Cameron Matthews, which in many ways is kind of, you know, he's he's the blue-collar guy for us. He's the guy getting the, the offensive rebound. He's the guy setting the big screen. He's the guy out there usually drawing one of the more defensive, uh, tougher defensive assignments in the post. And in many respects, he's our leader. Eight points, and uh, it's so incredible, too. He had the two personal fouls really quick, only got one in the second half. Didn't play hardly at all. Just 18 minutes of action, contributes eight points and three rebounds, has a pair of assists, also had a steal, a block. Ken Matthews really being a dude for us. Now, Shaquille Moore, just five points for him. I thought he played pretty well, though. He was active out there. And that's the thing, too. When you see that Hubbard is hot, you know, you don't need to stick another iron in the fire, right? Let's just ride the hot hand. And I thought that Shaquille Moore just kind of being unselfish, to be honest with you. Thought he played well. Sean Jones, again – not doing much on the offensive end, but, man, defensively, he's out there really getting after people. He alters a lot of shots. That long, lean, Chris Jans quality defender. Jimmy Bell didn't score for us, but gave us 11 quality minutes. Uh, again, Tolu didn't start this time. And, and that's something that Chris Jans has said, you know what, that's between us. And I respect that. I, I really do. Tolu comes off the bench. 28 minutes of action, 19 points, 8 of 14 from the floor and 3 of 4 from the line. Also pulled down nine rebounds. Nearly a double-double for Tolu. And how, how do you guys feel about the haircut? I mean, I think everybody can wear their hair as they want to. It's just, it just looks a little bit unusual to me. I'm so used to seeing uh, you know, Tolu with the wild hair. And now he doesn't have it. But, you know, maybe he's just kind of growing up thinking, hey, I got to go on these NBA interviews and I want to look like a professional. Hey, I wish that kid the best. I do. We talked about Keyshawn Murphy and the difference that he's making. 25 minutes off the bench. Misses both of his three-point attempts. But, man, nine rebounds and 11 points? Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous, man. What a great contribution. That's the thing, too. And, and five of those rebounds are on the offensive end. There was one stretch there where he runs the rebound down in the corner. 
And he just puts the ball on the floor and just kind of goes through everybody, and he's up and in. Keyshawn Murphy has made Mississippi State a better team. Deshaun Davis, I got it, former starter for Mississippi State, coming off the bench, and he's truly embraced the role and has become a really good defensive player. Just six points of action, but I think Deshaun Davis is a guy that kind of impacts the game every time he's in there. The guy brings really good energy. DJ Jeffries, of course, still kind of working back into it. Knocked down a big, a big three for us, his only basket. But, uh, again, doing some big work on the defensive end. There were times in that second half I didn't think LSU could get a shot off. I think, if memory serves me correct, we, we held him at three shot clock violations in the second half. That's a tough thing right there when you're trying to play catch up and you can't even get a shot off. Uh, so, great opportunity. And State empties the bench. It's been a long time since we emptied the bench down there at Maravich Assembly Center. It's a good thing to see. Uh, look on the LSU side, uh, Trey Hannibal with 22 points. And, uh, you know, he had the big technical foul when he shoved Ram Davis in the back. They reviewed that. And people were kind of upset about it. Now, you got to call that there. You do. Jordan Wright with 14. Uh, no other LSU Tigers scored in double figures. But it's interesting, too, looking 36 points in the paint for LSU. State had 38. I, I, that's a bit high for LSU, I think. I, w- I wasn't expecting them to have even really close to the numbers that State had in the paint, but they do. Uh, bench points for LSU just a dozen. Of course, Tolu coming off the bench for State kind of skews the numbers a bit. But 41 bench points for State, pretty impressive. State with 27 second-chance points, LSU just 10. When you get on the offensive glass, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. And, again, great win for Mississippi State. I don't care what the record is. I just know that how much we have struggled in road games, it becomes sometimes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You start, oh, we're going on the road again, got to put on the dark jerseys. And uh, I love those black state uniforms. I do. I, I love those jerseys. I don't know how you feel about them. I thought they were great. And a lot of people don't like us wearing black. I do. You know, I like wearing black clothing. I thought those Black uniforms with the big, bold state font were great. I thought it really, really looked good. Uh, and I hope that you guys buy a bunch of those jerseys for yourself and for your kids. I, I don't think you can ever get too old to wear your favorite team's jersey. So state 87-67 winners. Bulldogs advanced their record to 19-8 overall and 8-6 and in the Southeastern Conference. And, uh, you know, it, it only gets tougher from here in many respects. And I think that's one of the things you look at and you're so excited because Chris Jans and the Bulldogs are winning the games they're expected to win and winning the games they have to win. It's an important aspect of it. Let's look back at the weekend that was. For those of you that maybe haven't kept up, maybe you're busy. Arkansas 15-point winners over Missouri. Man, the nightmare that is the 2023-24 basketball season continues at Como. Brutal, man. 73-88 Arkansas winners there. Uh, Florida, 77-64 winners over Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt also and also ran. South Carolina goes to Oxford. Expected South Carolina win this game. Thought it would be a little more competitive. Uh, the, the Gamecocks win 72-59. to Of course, maybe you've seen the video from now. Uh, Flanagan with the forearm shiver that got him ejected. Eager to see if the league rules on that. Does he deserve another suspension, another game suspension? I don't make those decisions. Uh, but I, it was, you know, it, the emotions just got the better of him. I mean, you expect a veteran player to, to be able to abstain from that kind of stuff. But if you look at the other end, before the, uh, you know, the five iron that would have made Terry Taylor proud of WO, Mid-South Wrestling fame, 
you know, it was a little chippy on the other end. There was there was an unnecessary hip check. And Flanagan's got to be able to play through that. But it wasn't like it just came out of nowhere. I know I'm not defending this, but I'm just saying it was a little chippy on both sides. And uh, Flanagan made a mistake. Uh, but it wasn't like it just com- completely comes out of nowhere. It had been building for a while. Uh, we mentioned the Kentucky game, 117-95. to 95. I guess that's uh, 212 points in that ball game. That's nuts, man. Auburn goes to Georgia, 97-76 winners. Auburn's just kind of quietly going about their business a little bit here. Tennessee absolutely drills A&M. It was a game for a while, and just in that second half, Tennessee's athleticism took over, 86-51 winners. And, of course, Mississippi State wins down at the Maravich Assembly Center by 20. Man, you got to love that. I do. I know you guys do too. Big, big, big win for Mississippi State. And, again, just kind of adding to the resume here. All right, let's look ahead here before we get to our standings and our schedule that's remaining. But um, Tuesday night, and the game that matters most is going to be on the flagship. That's Kentucky at Mississippi State. That's going to be on ESPN. Uh, if you want to flip back and forth, Georgia's going to be at LSU. I don't know why you'd care. Vanderbilt's at Arkansas. Arkansas chance to uh, put together a couple wins here. I have to play Missouri and Vanderbilt. A bit of a break in the schedule for them. Uh, we'll look ahead to Wednesday when we get to Wednesday. But let's look at the uh, the standings as of now. And again, State has has really elevated themselves as of late, having won five games in a row. The longest active winning streak in the Southeastern Conference belongs to your Mississippi State Bulldogs. Bulldogs now 8-6 in the conference, 19-8 overall. As we mentioned, 11-2 at home. And Kentucky, a 5-3 road team. It'll be interesting. It is. We'll spend a little time talking about Kentucky. Not a lot's changed other than the fact they, they, they played well on Saturday. It's just so interesting, the John Calipari experience. You just never know what to get. All right, Tennessee and Alabama now tied it for first in the SEC, 11-3. South Carolina, Auburn, both just a game back. It's going to be a sprint to the finish. Florida, Kentucky, 9-5. and five. And then there's Mississippi State all along, the only 8-6 and six team in the conference. And then Ole Miss, two games behind Mississippi State, A&M, LSU, all tied with Ole Miss. Georgia, Arkansas at 5-9. and nine. Vanderbilt, 2-12. and 12. Missouri, 0-14. Oh Don't you think they're ready for, ba- for basketball season to be over up there? You know it. You know they are. And I don't blame them. And what a dreadful year it's been. Pretty nuts when you think about it. All right, real quick here before we look at our remaining schedule, we'll talk about what kind of what's going on with Kentucky. Uh, again, I think Kentucky, year in, year out, and it's not some hot take, they're always one of the most talented teams in this league. I think people undervalue their talent because they got off with such a difficult start in the conference schedule. Everything's just kind of going along. You lose to A&M, a game you expected to win. You lose at South Carolina, a game that, you know, Lamont Paris and those guys just kind of come out of nowhere and just ambush people. You know, and so all of a sudden you think, man, we still got to play Tennessee. And then they lose that game. Uh, but, you know, since we have seen them, they beat us 90-77 up there. And uh, the game really, while the score shows 13 points, I really thought Kentucky was much better than us that night. We'll see how much we've grown when they show up at Humphrey Coliseum. Uh, the next game, they they take care of Georgia, 105-96. Of course, they lose at South Carolina. They win at Arkansas, and everybody seems to, 63-57. Then they lose to Florida. That wasn't on the radar. And that, that game comes in Rupp. And maybe they were caught looking ahead a little bit, Tennessee. Didn't matter because Tennessee got them, too. Of course, they win at Vanderbilt, 109-77. 
And then they lose at home to Gonzaga. Was that on your radar? I don't think it was. They beat Ole Miss 75-63. They, they uh, also go to Auburn. Big win there. And they win 70-59. to And I don't know. You know, with young guys, there's always going to be some up and down. I don't know if they just thought, well, we'll just roll into LSU. We just beat Auburn. You just show up at LSU and you get beat. And you respond by just absolutely blasting Alabama 117-95. Again, I, I, maybe it's worth your time and effort tonight when there's not much going on. Go back and watch that game again. Maybe you didn't get a chance to watch it over the weekend. But if you really love college basketball, probably being probably worth your time. All right, now look at Mississippi State's remaining schedule. And again, your Bulldogs have won five straight. The longest current winning streak in the Southeastern Conference. It started with a winning over Georgia. We're at Missouri, Arkansas, Ole Miss, OSU. And again, we talk about having to beat your contemporaries. That's the difference between being a good team and a really good team. Now, four games left on a regular season slate. And you look at these, none of these are sure wins. None. Two at home, two on the road. Kentucky comes here tomorrow night. Saturday, we go to Auburn. If you're one of those kind of people, it's like, you know, hey, Steve, I think I want to get on the road and go. The Bulldogs could use your voice, certainly. And all of our uh, southeast and southwest Texas Central Texas Bulldogs, we're going to need you to head to College Station next Wednesday. I think of the four games, even though it's a road game, that looks to be maybe the most likely of the wins. But if we can find a way to split these last four, of course, we want to win all four. But that's asking an awful lot. But the thing that I begin to think about, Kentucky coming in here, and it always seems like it's six on five when we play Kentucky, even when we're here. You got to go to Auburn. Auburn's been very good at home. A&M, chance to get one there. And then South Carolina's coming in here. And I, we were so close to beating them the first time, and we should have. And we said back then, I think most of you agree with me, that loss is going to haunt us the whole year. Well, now all of a sudden, it looks like a quad one opportunity for us, right? Because they've played well. And so you begin to think here, and even a month ago, we said these last four games are going to be brutal. Well, now you look at them, the way State's playing – because it's a long season. And the way that these teams have played as of late, you begin to think, you know, hey, we should be able to get up for these games. So I'd love to be able to get a split. I think that we would all be happy with, you know, hey, considering everything, the way the schedule ended, we took care of business in the middle of this February run. And then we close out. February and open up the month of March you know, with a couple more wins, I think you'd feel a whole lot better about things. A lot of people say, well, you know, state, state's it. Uh, and I agree with that. At 19-8, and eight, I think we're in. We certainly can't lose out, though. You win a couple. I don't think you have to win anything in the SEC tournament. But, man, if you do, you got a chance to play your way onto the seven line. That'd be awfully significant for this team. And, again, Chris Jans and his staff just, just doing a great, great, great job of pushing this thing forward. So, again, if you can get access to a ticket tomorrow night, we need you there. We opened the segment with that that same plea. We're going to do it again here. We need you to be in Starkville. Mississippi State needs you to be here. I know it's a work night. It's tough. It's a school night. But I can tell you this. I remember being a kid, man, and uh, my dad bringing me to ball games up here and, uh, you know, taking the Natchez Trace back down to Canton and – 
guys, I remember one one weekend we, we went and saw State play against Will Purdue in Vanderbilt. You remember Will Purdue? Played in the NBA a long time. And I watched Chancellor Nichols just bully him all over the court. We win that game. That, that was right after Reginald Boykin had beaten LSU for the second straight time. LSU's best friend, according to Hank Flick. LSU's best friend, Reginald Boykin. Boykin, Boykin, Boykin. He was great. But I remember those moments. And I can tell you, it's worth a cup of coffee to go build a memory that could last your kid a lifetime. It truly is. And so, again, if you're on the fence about it, I know life gets busy. I know you got a lot going on. I certainly have a lot going on. But I'm going to encourage you, please come out and support the Bulldogs. And if for some reason you can't make it, let's make sure Bulldogs are in your seats. I uh, love all of you that support all of our sports. And uh, there's a lot of people looking for tickets. Let's do our best to make sure they get in the hands of somebody wearing a maroon jersey. How about that? Or a maroon shirt or a maroon dress or whatever. I'm not going to sit here and be the fashion police, but we want Bulldogs in the building for sure. All right, time for today's top ten list. And I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I did. And we'll get to that shortly. Let's thank our friend Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. Guys, you guys have made Blair an even better friend to me. Blair has been a great friend to me for as long as I've known him. But Blair has reached out to me more than once. Says, you know what? The advertising's working, man. We're getting business from the Boneyard. And I thank you for that. So if you have mortgage needs, maybe you're looking to buy a new home. Maybe you want to get a game day condo. Maybe that's always been on the radar. And now you wonder if this is the time. You know, talk to Blair. Because he can structure a loan that maybe maybe makes sense for you. And you too can have a place here in Starkville. I got a lot of friends that got a game day condo. And they come up here. And uh, it is one of the greatest things that they ever do with their life. Right? It's like, Steve, I've got a place in Starkville. I can come up there. Uh, bring the dog, whatever, bring the cat. And then, uh, you know, we, we hang out in our own place. And one day we're going to retire there. We're going to sell the place. And we're going to retire to our game day condo there in Starkville. I think it's a good plan. And maybe you should be thinking ahead for yourself. Hey, give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. Guys, 23 years in the business, man. Nobody stays in any industry 20-plus years by accident. Give Blair, Blair Chandler a chance to work for you. You'll be glad you did. Visit his website, closewithblair.com, for more information. I, I knew it, but again, I knew it was coming. I knew when I did the Kiss years, you know, the, the, the Bruce Cullick years with Kiss, I knew that some of you longtime Kiss fans, but Steve, you've never done the Ace years. Well, you know, in some ways we have. I've done an Ace Fraley list. We included some of his solo stuff and some of his biggest moments with Kiss, but we've never done a Kiss list from the Ace Freely era. So we're going to do that. Ace with a brand new album out, too. This came out last week. I don't know if you've checked it out. Uh, 10,000 Volts. I listened to some of it today before the show as I was preparing your notes for the show. If you like the classic Kiss sound from the Freely years, this is what it's, what it's going to sound like. It's Ace. It's Space Ace. It's our guy. And so... Probably the last hurrah for Ace. Okay, let's just kind of call it for what it is. I saw him with Alice Cooper over in Tupelo. Great show. Shout out to the homie Sam Denton. Got us great tickets. We sat right up front. And uh, Ace is the guy you can blame for me being the way that I am. Because when I first saw Kiss and Ace Frehley, I said, you know what? This is what I want to be. I want to be like those guys, right? And uh, it was so cool, after he played the Shock Me solo in Tupelo, I got on my Ace Frilly shirt, 
Ace reaches down and dumps his Ace Freely signature pick to me. To me. I still have it. A little bit later, he threw his towel to me. I have that too. Probably ought to have that in Washington. It's still in a bag. I got so much stuff up. I got to take time to put it all up. I got baseball memorabilia here to my right. I got rock memorabilia to my left. I got most of the walls filled in here. But, um, yeah, we got to find a way to get that up there. We do. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great experience. It really is. So we're going to celebrate the kiss years of the Ace Freely era. And of course, uh, Ace, a founding member. And you wonder where he got the name Ace. His, his name is actually Paul. But they called him Ace because they said he was an Ace because he was able to get dates in high school. So he was an Ace. And then ultimately, when they decided to uh, wear makeup and dress up, he became Space Ace. Or the Ace Man, whatever, Space Man. But uh, he was Space Ace, but he's always Ace to me. So here we go. Our Kiss Greatest Hits during the Ace Freely era. Now, some of these songs, too, are going to be more Ace-centric, okay? Because, I want again, we're, we're celebrating Kiss, but at the same time, too, kind of featuring Ace. So number 10 is going to come from Ace Freely's solo album with Kiss. You remember, for those of you that were alive then, everything was going great for Kiss, and so all four members did solo albums. Aces sold the best. And I'm sure that absolutely burns Paul and Gene up. But Ace's solo album sold the best. And, of course, the uh, the big hit, of course, was a cover song, uh, you know, back in her New York groove. But I went with uh, Rip It Out. That's the lead song, the first song on the first album, because back in those days, everything was vinyl. I guess we had eight tracks, but uh, we didn't have an eight-track player in the house at my grandmother's house. We did at my dad's. He had the big console stereo. You know what I'm talking about? This big old magnets in there with that resonating bass. Crazy. So you had vinyl, you had the A-track, you had to change the channel, that sort of stuff. But nevertheless, the number one song, the lead song on this album is Rip It Out. And I think that a solo album is super cool. It's more like Kiss than the other albums. And maybe that's the whole point of doing the solo albums for the other guys, is to kind of branch out musically a little bit. I think it made them a stronger band in some respects. All right, number nine. This is a song that was written by Ace, performed by, by Kiss, and vocalized by one Gene Simmons because Ace just did not have confidence in his singing voice at this point. And so Gene sang this one. And there's some other songs in that catalog, the Casablanca Records era of Kiss, that Ace wrote, but Gene and, or Peter Chris sang the vocals on. But this is Parasite. And I love the, the, the dirty, filthy guitar on this one. I, I like it an awful lot. Uh, I haven't heard a remastered version, and I don't know that I really want to. I don't want them to change it. I love the fact that it's just the whole thing is just kind of gritty. I love it a lot. But Parasite, number nine. Again, Gene Simmons on vocals there. Number eight, flashing ahead to the final time that all four original members worked on an album together was the reunion, right? Psycho Circus. And I say welcome to the show. Ace only played on three songs on that album. Did you know that? It was billed as the reunion album, but Peter Chris is on like one or two tracks, and Ace is only on three. And so there is some original material from the original members, but there were some studio musicians involved too. And there's some other albums that Ace was credited on, like Creatures in the Night, and even a song from The Elder that his, some of his parts were cut, or he really wasn't much of a con contributor to the album. I, I did not pull any tracks from those albums. 
maybe just out of allegiance to Ace. But um, I wanted to make sure off Psycho Circus that we went with you wanted the best. And that's one that Ace did play on. Absolutely dig it. You know, that's the big thing when, you know, Gene comes out, you wanted the best where you've got the best. And so that's kind of the genesis of that. Now we're going to get into some classic Kiss stuff. And this is where things are going to get a little bit hairy. A lot of people are going to say, Steve, you left this one off. So I wanted to make sure that the hits that Ace was involved in the songwriting process got recognized. Okay, number seven, though. I absolutely love this one. I, I think this was the precursor to a lot of things that eventually became what we called heavy metal in the 80s. This song, it's Strutter. Absolutely dig it. Ace and those guys still play it live. But um, I think this is when, you know, Kiss obviously uh, had a real affection for uh, the lady folk. I assume they still do. But this was kind of as we began to talk about maybe the infancy of kind of the sleazier part of rock and roll that really kind of began here. And your plaster caster and things like that. You know, I Stole Your Love, Christine 16. Can't sing that these days. All right, number six, you know your man that's working hard. He's worth a deuce. Love it, man. Absolutely love that track. It's one of those songs, too, and you put on. To me, it makes me drive faster. I got to be careful. I got to set the cruise before I put on some of this classic Kiss. Uh, but, yeah, deuce, man, love it. Now, arguably, there's some days that I can convince you that this song is, is my favorite Kiss song. It's probably the one that I sing in the car the most. And maybe it's because I, I love the original, but the song, in many respects, was reborn to me when Skid Row did their EP, B-Sides Ourselves, and they covered this great Kiss classic, Come On and Love Me. I absolutely love it. I love everything about it. It's so smooth. The vocal delivery is great. The bass line is great. It's just pure rock and roll, man. I, I love it. I, I do. And uh, I, I think when you work through Paul's vocals on this, this is Paul just really, really in the pocket. You know, there's some some songs that he really stretch, stretches the upper register. I think this is just Paul kind of in his natural, cool Paul style, just belting out a song. Absolutely love it. it I, I, it's one of those perfect songs to me. You may feel differently. It's not a very sophisticated song. It's just a song that's got a really cool vibe. Number four. A song that Ace wrote, and again, Gene does vocals on this one. Huge hit for Kiss. It's Cold Gen Time Again. It's the one thing that keeps us together. And Ace played this live, and we saw him over in Tupelo. It was amazing. But again, this has been a standard, really, in the Kiss set for a long time. I mean, this is a song, and they're allegedly done playing now. But uh, this is one that fans have wanted to stay in the set list for a long time. And when it's not there, you'll see some social media reaction. It's like, hey, the show was great, but where was Cold Jed? Great track. Number three. Now, some people would argue this maybe is a little bit high on the list. Well, to me, it's probably the shining moment for Ace Frehley and Kiss. Because he wrote the song. It's based on his own experience where he was nearly electrocuted on stage. And it shocked me. And uh, that became a huge part, you know, when he would get his last Paul and they'd have this, you know, it was all staged, right? And, but it blew us away back in the day because we had never seen anything like it. Uh, but the pickups light up and smoke comes from the guitar. And uh, to see that live up close and personal, we were in Tupelo over at the Bancor South Center, was incredible. And again, that's when Ace reached down and handed me, handed me his pick. 
And I began to think, you know, of all the songs that I would like to see him play and then have the guitar pick, that's the one for me. It's an ace guy. I was an ace guy more than I was a kiss guy in many respects. Thought he was the coolest guy around. But shock me, number three. And now we get down to the final two. And this is where I think the controversy comes in. You can't go wrong either way, but I think people would say, hey, this should be number one, this should be number two. You're really arguing about the best songs in the history of Kiss. And number two for me, even though it is anthemic, and this is probably most people's number one because it is really just kind of typifies what rock and roll is about, it's rock and roll all night. Number two for me, rock and roll all night. Great track. Everybody knows it. Even people that don't like rock music know this one because it's just kind of part of our culture in the United States. I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. Probably most fraternity boys of uh, our brothers, pardon me, I don't mean to be disrespectful. Most fraternity brothers probably know this song too because of the fact it is part of the lexicon of the college experience. Because that's what you want to do is rock and roll all night and party every day. Number one for me though, and I think regardless of guitarist or drummer, regardless of era, record label, that the best Kiss song, and certainly the one from the Ace Frehley era, is Detroit Rock City. One of the most recognizable bass lines in the history of rock and roll. It tells a nice story. It's a scary story. It's also uh, based on actual events. I think it's Paul Stanley at his best. I think this is one of those things that you begin to look at, and you look at a moment in time in rock and roll in American music history, and this is when Kiss was truly at their peak. And yes, they had some success in the 80s, but there was not a bigger band in the world at that time, certainly American band, than Kiss. You know, Led, We were still kind of in the Led Zeppelin era. They were about to finish up in many respects, but this is when I think American music was really truly headed in a new direction. And it changed the world in many respects. It changed music. All of a sudden, everybody wanted to be like Kiss. These guys were like superheroes. You know, they weren't just out there in bell bottoms and a rayon shirt, you know, a big butterfly collar shirt, you know, playing guitars and jumping around. That wasn't the case. Kiss had a look. Kiss had a mystique. And parents were scared to death of Kiss because they thought that Kiss was going to send us all to hell, right? That was, that was the thing. And you think it's not hyperbole. That's what people believe. If you listen to Kiss, then you worship the devil. I mean, it was so much of that. And so in many respects, it was tough to have a Kiss record growing up in the Pine Belt. It truly was. A lot of people, of course, you know, that was the big thing. They wanted to burn records. and The whole thing was nuts, man. It really was. And, uh, you know, Kiss, obviously, you look nowadays and, uh, you know, Gene and Paul doing a lot of good things out there for the world. You know, they're not the knights in Satan's service that some people suggested they were. And you may not know this either, but Ace Freely is the one that actually designed the Kiss logo. Maybe you're unaware of that. Paul put the finishing touches on it, but it was Ace that designed the logo that has become iconic in rock and roll music. So there you go. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. I know my friend Richard will enjoy this list. He's a huge, huge Kiss fan. And he commented on Facebook the other day asking about why didn't I include Unholy in the Kulik years? Well, I, and there's a reason why. I didn't just overlook the song. It's just that Gene wrote that one with Vinnie Vincent. And I didn't feel right about putting a Vinnie Vincent written track 
into the colic years. And maybe that's just me. And I don't know that we could put a Vinnie Vincent list together. Maybe we can put a Vinnie Vincent combining the solo stuff too. But uh, maybe maybe we'll do that soon. But uh, all of that understood. Got a tremendous amount of respect for Kiss. And again, man, they go back to the infancy of my life, man. As long as I have known what rock and roll was. I had an uncle that played guitar in a band called Phoenix. And they used to do local support in South Mississippi with everybody that came through, it seemed. And uh, they did so many good things. And he was my hero. Man, when I was a young guy, he was my hero because he could play guitar. He drove a Pontiac Firebird. Always seemed to have a good-looking girlfriend. I said, I wanted to be that guy. Well, I can't play guitar nearly as well as he could. But um, I do got the cool car and the hot hot wife. And so in many respects, I guess uh, I've aspired uh, to some great things and been able to accomplish them. But um, again, there's people early in your life that kind of shape and mold your opinion about the world. Uh, My Uncle Warren was certainly one of those people that did that. And uh, he was not a big Kiss fan. I was. But every time that Kiss would come on the radio, because we lived together at my grandparents' house, whenever Kiss came on the radio, he, no matter where I was, he would come get me and say, hey, Kiss is on the radio. Because we couldn't dare have a Kiss album in uh, Reverend Warren Jefferson Selman's house. There was no way we were going to be able to have a Kiss album in the house, but we could hear them on the radio. And so it's a much different day and time nowadays, you know, Back in those days, if you missed your song, you'd have to call back and request it again and wait a couple of hours for it to come home. But that's what we did. We sat around listening to music and looked at each other. That was fun. That was life, right? But again, thanks as always for your support of the top 10 list. Again, reach out, let us know. If you have ideas, the best way to do that is hit up Roy on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer, at dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. We've had some good suggestions here as of late. There's one that's very intriguing to me. I won't tip it, but we're going to do it Wednesday, Okay. Um, and you can find our great list on Spotify also at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And I'm on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. Be sure and check us out. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark, a Starkvillian institution. Be sure and check in with Campus Bookmark. Next time you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces and also peruse the fine selections they have when it comes to Mississippi State merchandise. Amazing. A lot of people make the claim, but Campus Bookmart backs it up. The best selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. If you can't make it to town or see their smiling faces, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a Lawyer Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. Best selection of Mississippi State baseball merch. And, and get ready. Going to be some postseason basketball shirts for you to purchase as well. Look no further when you need Mississippi State merchandise than Campus Bookmark. All right. What, what is going on with our women's basketball team? I, I, don't, um, I don't really have an idea. Guys, we've lost four in a row. I, I wasn't expecting that. I really wasn't. I don't know what's happened to us. We knew that the uh, ball game at Oxford was going to be a real challenge. We knew that going to play in Alabama was far from a sure thing. But we're not playing our best basketball right now. <clears throat> and that's the most difficult part of this. We talk about the men's side is trending. The women's side is not. Women's side is beginning to fall off a little bit. And, um, you know, Jessica Carter's health is probably a little bit of that. I thought she played well on, on, uh, on Sunday. But... The reality of it is, is we're a much better team when she's at 100%. When she's not at 100%, 
things don't go quite as well as we'd hoped. But uh, only two games left. It's the last week of the regular season. Uh, the ladies lose 87-75. And much like that Kentucky game, defensively we were not where we needed to be in that first period. Absolutely not. Absolutely not ready to play for some reason. And, uh, listen, I get it's a road game. That's part of the deal, right? That's just, you know. That's life and times in the Southeastern Conference. But we just simply weren't ready to go. And, and it showed. You know, it's like you look up and all of a sudden, it's like, man, you know, where have we been? You know, we're in it. But it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where you just feel like they came out and hit some shots and we didn't have a lot to offer here. But it's 25-16 after one. Now, give the ladies a lot of credit. And give the coaching staff, you know, some credit for uh, for making some adjustments here later in the ball game. But you know, you look up here about midway through through the uh, the fourth the, the second quarter. Pardon me. And uh, state's taking a lead. And now you think, okay, we've weathered this storm. We're going to be fine. We just need to get to the second half. And we're down. You know what? Hey, it's forty to thirty-seven at the break. And now, now I'm, if you're like me, I'm thinking, okay, we'll be good. But it's one of those deals, man, it just kind of felt like, kind of like with Kentucky, it took so much out of us in that third period to, to kind of get things going. You know, we had a 20 to nothing run in that ball game, but it just took so much out of us that um, we kind of ran out of gas. And that has kind of been the situation here as of late. State's down by 10, uh, headed to the fourth period. And we just didn't seem to be, have enough to match their intensity. Alabama comes out and it's closing time for them. The lead swells to 18 right under the uh, eight-minute mark. And then, you know, we try to climb back in. It got five minutes to go in this game. We're down 19. And let's just kind of call it for what it is. All hope is lost at that point. I mean, the chances of coming back to winning are just not very good. That's just how it is. But for some reason, we are not playing well. Absolutely not playing well. And four straight losses. And a lot of people, you look at it and you say, you know what, hey, Steve, we were a good team. We were expected to be a good team. We're not playing like a good team right now. And that's fair. That's absolutely fair. And that, that's when I began to work the, this, the, the magic in my mind, I began to ask myself, you're kind of where did things go wrong? And the only thing that I can pinpoint is the fact that maybe Jessica Carter's not quite 100%. She's going to play through it because she's a, she's a warrior. But stayed now 20-9 and nine overall, 7-7 seven and seven in SEC play. And, again, we go from a situation where we were the fourth team in the SEC and set up with a fairly favorable schedule, we've lost four games in a row. That's tough, man. It truly is. And, again, in Humphrey Coliseum, we're 10-5. and five. Away from Humphrey Coliseum, we're 10-4. and four. So it's not like we just been a bad road team. Had a couple road losses here as of late, but um, also got some pretty big road wins this year. You know, the you know win at Arkansas, win at Florida. You know, those are not insignificant games. You win at Texas A&M, and so now the final week here, and uh, State needs some juice down the stretch. We need both of these. We'll preview them on, uh, later in the week. But Thursday, we're going to be at Auburn. So we'll talk about that a little bit on, on Wednesday's show. That's a game we got to have. And then Missouri is here for Senior Day on Sunday. And that's the end of the regular season, man. And then, you know, next week we get into the SEC tournament. 
And we are, we are losing our way into some pretty, pretty poor territory when it comes to this tournament. We got to turn it around. It's as simple as that. I can't sit here and pinpoint exactly what's going on with the team. And I also can't sit here and say, well, hey, if we just change this. Because when you begin to look at what's happened here in the last two weeks, it's just, you know, we've kind of lost games in a lot of different ways. But one of the things that I would point out is we have not been able to close. You go up to Oxford, and we, we got absolutely ambushed by Florida here, right? And that game was over the fourth period essentially didn't matter. But you go to Oxford and you have a chance to win that game and it ultimately end up going to overtime. And same thing happened with Kentucky. So the last three ball games down the stretch, we just haven't been the fresher team. I don't know if it's something to do with our rotation. I don't know if, you know, we just got tired legs under us. Maybe we need to dial it back in practice a little bit. I don't know. But I know that we have to get these two. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. we got to get these two. Before we get to baseball, we'll take a quick look at the SEC women's standings. But, uh, yeah, this is not the position that I hope to be in, nor that I expect us to be in. I, I really thought that we would play well down the stretch, and we didn't. And our three-point defense was a bit of a, a challenge. Uh, Ole Miss is at Missouri tonight, in case you were uh, looking for something to watch. Uh, that'll be available always, always. Uh, through the ESPN app. Also going to be on the SEC network. If you don't want to mess with the rest of it, that's fine too. That's fine. To each their own. But uh, looking at standings here, yeah, we're, we're dropping very much down to the middle of the pack. South Carolina still leads the league at 14-0. and LSU now in three games back, 11-3, with two games to play. So, again, South Carolina, your regular season champion. Ole Miss in a good position here, 9-4. and four. We expect them to win tonight because Missouri has been so dreadful. But that would be their 10th win. And there was a time it seemed that we were going in two different directions. They have played better down the stretch than we have. Tennessee been consistent most of the year. 9-5 uh, and five, Alabama now 8-6. and six. And then Vanderbilt and Mississippi State right there together at 7-7. Seven and seven. A&M, Auburn, Arkansas all at 6-8. and eight. Again, we have to get that one. Kentucky four and ten. They own a recent victory over Mississippi State. Florida's five and nine. George three eleven. Uh, Missouri two and eleven. And you start looking at this too, like guys. Kentucky's eleven and seventeen overall. But for some reason, the matchup tends to favor them, and we just couldn't pull out the maroon magic light this time. But uh, not ready to give up on the season. We're certainly going to be a postseason team, but we are definitely putting ourselves in a situation that we're not going to be seated where we should be. There are probably some teams out there that will be unhappy about that because when we play up to our potential, we're very, very difficult to contend with. But uh, it has not been a two-good-week two stretch uh, for the Mississippi State women's basketball program. Our final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just Google Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Google is your friend. And when you do, their Facebook page will come up and you can peruse their uh, you know, the amenities that are available to you at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse, you're also going to have some options to book. You can book through Airbnb. You can book through VRBO. However, if you book through the Evolve website, we can save you 10%. Yeah, promo code BSR10. Everybody wants a promo code these days when you shop online, and we can provide that to you here on the Boneyard. And what I love about the place is, number one, it's just kind of tucked away. Not a lot around it. You got a next door neighbor, but they're quiet folks. They want you to be quiet too. You can have a good time. Let's not. We're not going to go out there and you know 
have a rager or anything like that. But maybe you're having a staycation. Maybe you're bringing, you know, a work group to town. Maybe you just maybe you're a Starkville resident and say, you know what, I don't have a place big enough to entertain everybody that I want to invite. Well, you use the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. How about that? You come in for a ball game weekend. You're going to be here to watch uh, baseball and basketball. You're going to need some accommodations. So rather than go get five hotel rooms for all of your friends and relatives that you're bringing in for the for the event, just book the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. A great place to have some communal areas to eat, to recreate, and then you can retreat to your own quarters. Five bedrooms, two baths. Uh, a very, very expansive place. Be sure and go check it out. And again, uh, it's the converted clubhouse on the old golf course just five minutes from the mississippi state campus i mean but all the fun's going to be where you are right maybe we need to come visit you when you're at stark vegas clubhouse be sure and check them out today you'll be glad you did whether it's a work crew or a party crew stark vegas clubhouse can accommodate you all right let's uh, look at baseball here it, it was a it was a good weekend not a great weekend i really wanted to sweep as you guys did as well no real surprise there. And uh, I projected that these would be relatively low-scoring games. Well, Georgia Southern didn't score much a couple of games, and then Mississippi State didn't score much in one game. And uh, ultimately, that's kind of how things went. You know, the team that could score won, and the team that didn't lost. It's funny how that works, right? When they put a scoreboard up, that's usually how it works. But um, – the th- we'll go quickly through this, but the thing that I think about, number one, when the, se- when the schedule first came out, we thought Georgia Southern may be our most difficult non-conference opponent. And then as we got closer to Air Force, people were like, oh, I think our Air Force could be a tournament team. I-, I-, I haven't seen anybody with any real credibility to have said that. But Austin P obviously is a better team than we expect them to be, but we didn't play baseball. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. You know, we got ambushed by those guys – and maybe we just thought too much of ourselves. Uh, but um, as far as weekend series go, we knew Georgia Southern was a team that hosted a regional two years ago. Uh, they do get some cast-offs from, um, from Georgia, Georgia Tech, and places like that. And Georgia's very much a baseball state. And, and in case you, you've forgotten, in case you, you haven't kept up, Austin P now 7-1 and one on the year. They've won seven straight. Kind of look at, we'll keep a tab on that. They played Maryland Eastern Shore over the weekend, 15-5, 10-0, Yeah, they'll get Gonzaga tonight. But, uh, yeah, Austin P. may be a little bit better than we anticipated. I know they're better than I expect them to be. And when I saw those transfers, I was like, well, this could be intriguing. And it was. He lose ball game 3-2 and 13-10. We should have won them both. We all, we all know it. All right, but uh, Georgia Southern came in. And, again, this was – we thought it would be a test – when the schedule came out, and then after the week that State had with Austin P, there was, there wasn't a lot of confidence within the fan base, and we needed a team to kind of stand up and play well. And uh, thought we did for the most part. We really struggled pitching on Saturday, and we, we'll get to that. I, I don't know what's going on with Mississippi State's Hell State website. I, I, I do not know what's happening with this. We did the website refresh, and it's like now, now all of a sudden there's just not – you know, it's not as user-friendly. It's not. I'm not trying to be rude or mean to anybody or disrespectful, but um, the website refresh has been kind of tough. Let me see if I can get this box score to pull up from here. No, nope, can't do it. Box score not available. So what we'll do it by memory. 
Uh, Nate Dom was outstanding. Outstanding on Friday night. Looked like a bona fide Friday night guy. No questions about that at all. It really looked like he was going to be a dude. A lot of people questioned, you know, how do we use him? Is he the first guy in the bullpen? Does he pitch twice on the weekends? Do we make him a Friday night guy? Well, Justin Parker threw him out there last Friday against Air Force, and he was good. He wasn't great. He was good. He had full command of everything in this ballgame. Nate strikes out 15, held him at his 16 hits, and punched out 10. And uh, he was really starting to fade when they pulled him. I, I, I'm glad we didn't wait longer than we did. We could have pulled him after six because even the six was a little bit shaky. The next thing you know, get a runner on in the seventh. He rolls up a ground ball, and then we pull him. But he was fading a little bit. He was. And, and Nate's a competitor. He would stay out there until his arm fell off if he had to. But uh, it was a great effort by Nate. And that's the thing, too. When you look at the commonality between the three victories on the weekend, State got two quality starts, got wins. On Saturday, State didn't get a quality start, and State lost. And sometimes, as I mentioned yesterday, that's kind of an oversimplification of things. But it's amazing what happens when you get decent starting pitching. You start chasing the game, you're in bad luck. Bottom of two, big scoring play here. Dylan Cup, the freshman. And uh, Dylan's a guy, you know, they're tinkering with the swing just a little bit. Uh, and it's a guy who likes going backside, but uh, comes through with a two RBI single. And again, finally a, a timely base hit, right? That's the thing that's kind of remained elusive for this team. Over the weekend, we got a few. Not so much on Saturday, but this is the first one of the weekend is Dylan Cup drives in Kohler and Hyzak to make it 2 nothing. Guys, that's all the scoring there was until we get to the seventh and Nate leaves the game to a tremendous ovation from our fans. We really do baseball right up here. Gabby Black comes in and um, gives up a tank. Solo shot to Jonathan Jamie makes it a 2-1 ball game. And right now, there's a part of me at this point when I'm sitting in the press box, I'm thinking, I hope we don't waste this starting performance like we did Cal Steven a week ago. Gavin gets out of the inning with no further damage. And then State does what good teams do. In the bottom of seven, we answer the one run. State's able to get a couple guys on base. Wild pitch allows a run to score. And um, Hunter Hines taps on home plate. And now all of a sudden, it's a two-run lead again. But with our bullpen issues at times, you begin to ask yourself, you know, Steve, is that enough? You know, we still got to go get six more outs. Can we do that? Without Nate, and navigate through these six outs without allowing the game to be tied. We're able to do that, uh, but more importantly, we got some very much insurance in the eighth, and Dave Mershon's now back in the lineup, as you guys know, working as a DH, and he's about ready to get back on the field, as Coach Simona says. But uh, Mershon lines out at center field. Johnny Long tags and scores and uh, makes it a 4-1 ball game. And then Dakota Jordan doubles down the left field line, just kind of pulled that ball on the bag, smashed it pretty well, and Amani comes in to score, makes it 5-1. And the bullpen makes it hold up. So a great opening victory. And, again, I know some people sweated it out, but uh, I, I like a good pitcher's duel provided we win, right? I'm not as big a fan of these church league softball game type scores. But, uh, again, State gets the early lead. Nate makes it stand up. He turns the ball over to the bullpen, and even though we give up a solo shot, and listen, I'm going to be honest with you, when Gavin Black comes in there, guys, it's 
It's two outs in the seventh with a two-run lead. We're challenging the hitter. Okay, that, that's my philosophy, and it should be everybody's. Because a solo home run can't get you beat. Yes, it gets them closer, but I, I don't want a closer or a relief guy to come in there and just kind of nibble. We're going to go at the guy, and if he hits a home run, he hits a home run. Well, he did. And then we bounce right back and get the next guy out. The inning's over. And, again, it's, as I mentioned, State answered. So you really didn't lose anything there other than the shutout. So good opening win for State. And uh, <clears throat> Georgia Southern certainly uh, got back on us that uh, that Saturday. And, and if I had told you going into the weekend, it's like, hey, Cal Stevens is going to struggle, you wouldn't have believed it because he was so dominant last week against Air Force. Even though we lost that game, it's one of those deals you look at and say, you know what, hey, we're okay here. We're okay here. But, guys, Cal could not hit his spots. That's the thing when I began to work through all this over the weekend. It's like watching him, even in the early going, he just never looked comfortable to me. Never at any point did he look comfortable. The whole way through the, the ball game, until they pulled him out of the game, he never looked like the guy we saw last week. And so, based on what we've seen through the fall and the spring, the guy you saw against Air Force is really more in line with what we've seen. Maybe a little bit better because it was a game, right? You know, so maybe he's – the competitive juices get to flow in a little bit. But what we saw on, on Saturday has really not been consistent. There have been some outings where he got he gave up some hits. But uh, no Bulldog pitcher was really missing any bats on Saturday. But, um, I mean, you go back top of one, guys, it's four nothing before we even get a chance to swing. And we're just not built to chase a game like that. We're just not. That's an important part of it. But Jared Brown was a double early on, drives in the two runs, and then Sean White gets a, gets a hit, drives in two more. It's 4 nothing. Top of three, the bleeding continued. It's a 7 nothing game after three. And let's be honest, I think you all felt like I do. Based on how we have swung the bats so far this season – the game was over. It was just a matter of what the final score was going to be. And we had some opportunities. We did. We loaded the bases and got nothing out of it. There's some other opportunities that we had. We did get the one big hit there, kind of got back into it. Uh, we, we pushed a run across there in the third to at least break the shutout. That's um, Dave Marchand was able to get Joe Powell in to make it 7-1. to one. Joe Powell, uh, subject of uh, Sunday's feature, talking about salvation and his uh, journey to Mississippi State and second chance at college baseball. But then the very next half inning, Georgia Southern does what good teams do. They answered. So we put up one. They bounced back in the top of four and put up a couple. And it's Josh Tate again of the Georgia Tate brothers. Not good. And then Blancato, of course, uh, singles in a knock in uh, Jared Brown. But top of five, they tack on some more. Ja- uh, Jamie hits a solo shot here. And then uh, Luke Odden comes around and scores on a throw in there. It's 11-1. to 1. And then we've got people in the press box asking if there's a 10-1 rule. There typically is not uh, in non-conference play unless it's agreed upon by the two teams ahead of the game or ahead of the weekend. All right, bottom of five, State has a chance to climb back into it here, and we do get three runs in the inning. Again, a chance for us to get more. Larry, single, drives in Powell. Mershon gets an RBA single to knock in Dylan Cup, and then Hunter Hines, a base is loaded walk there. 
But we've got them on the ropes there. Bases loaded with one out. And we get nothing. Bryce Chance and Logan Kohler both get non-productive outs here. But, you know, hey, you get a couple of hits here, and maybe it's an 11-6, 11-7 ball game. The crowd gets back into it, and all of a sudden you say, man, as bad as we played, we're just four runs down. We got a chance here. Got a chance. Never could get anything else going. And uh, I, I give them a lot of credit for pitching it as well as they did. You know, the guy on Saturday, the starter, did not do well uh, against Maryland. But, uh, but had a good outing. But uh, David Smith comes out of the bullpen and really shut us down. We just really had no answer for David Smith. We really didn't. And he was much different. You, know, you had the soft toss and lefty, you know, the first half of the ball game. Then you bring in the power arm on the right side. And he was a short armor, too. It was amazing to me how he was throwing so hard with such an awkward delivery. But he was able to get it in there. You begin to ask yourself, man, if he could just fine-tune some things mechanically, he might really throw hard. Uh, but David Smith credited with the win. Cal Steven charged with the loss. You know, looking at extra base hits here, just really not many for Mississippi State. Uh, none, as a matter of fact. There are only two extra, three extra base hits in the game. All of them go the way of Georgia Southern. It was an abysmal loss, but it was a total team loss. It wasn't a situation that you look at and say, well, if the pitching had been there, guys, the pitching wasn't there and the hitting wasn't there, we'd get beat 11 to 4. Defensively, we played okay. But uh, set up a rubber match on Sunday, and that's when things you begin to go back and kind of look at with all this, is uh, I'd like to be going for the gravy game on Sundays rather than the rubber game, but that's ultimately what happened to us. But it was, it was very much a ball game for a while until the state bats got going and then you got in that bullpen a little bit. And uh, typically what happens on Sundays is ten, teams tend to run out of pitching. So you see some elevated uh, scores here. But um, – I thought the Bulldogs actually played uh, one of their better games of the young season. And, again, it is encouraging to see on back-to-back Sundays, number one, State get a great outing. And maybe a great too strong word, but a good start uh, from Gerangelo Sanchi. That was big in both games. He goes four innings last week, goes five this week. Uh, really, really good week weekend for him. But uh, Georgia Southern, again, first inning jitters. And then we, we, we dealt with that last year with Durangelo. It's like, man, if we could ever get out of the first without giving up any runs, we're going to win this ball game. And then lo and behold, we give up a run in the first inning against Georgia Southern. But that's all they got. The only hit of the game against Durangelo came in that first inning. And that's just a guy doing a great job of hitting, right? Two outs, runner on to second base, and just kind of – you know, the bat finds the ball, and you just kind of got to the outfield. You don't try to do too much with it. You just take it the other way. Again, just throw the bat at the ball. You make some contact, and the run is home. And that's how it remained, one to nothing until the fifth. And the, uh, the big hit, the big RBI, base-clearing hit, has remained elusive for this team. And then Bryce Bean's chance comes up and uh, doubles into the left center field gap. The ball goes all the way to the wall, allows everybody to score. Really good speed on the bases for the Bulldogs, Larry, Mershon, and Jordan. Jordan, of course, scoring from first. Uh, He was a man on a mission. They had no chance whatsoever. And then uh, Bryce pulls up there at second. And again, a chance to kind of get some things going here in this inning. But but the fact that we finally got the hit and the lead, you could really feel, as Lamona said, the air kind of came back in the building. I think everybody was tight. 
The fans were tight. The team was tight. It's like it's one nothing, and we hadn't been able to spell this guy. Another left-hander, Ty Fisher, had really kind of kept us bottled up a little bit. And, and the thing about it is, until you prove that you can hit those soft toss and lefties, you're going to see a bunch of them. A bunch of them. That's the way the game of baseball works. All right, bottom of six, stayed able, able to tack on a little bit. Dave Mershon, who had four hits on the game, uh, singles to center to Chase and Imani Larry. It makes life so much easier for Dave, too, even though he's a switch hitter, that Imani's getting on base, and all of a sudden David's having to face a pitcher in the stretch more times than not. Gerangelo, again, outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. And just stacking up zeros on the scoreboard. Bottom of seven, Connor Heizag didn't start. Aaron Downs did. Aaron nearly hit a home run in his first at bat. The ball's robbed at the fence. We had a couple of those this year. Um, but Heizak comes in and goes two for two in his two plate appearances, and uh, both were significant without any question. Both were great. Uh, so he slashes one there to left, which scores Bryce Jansen and Hunter Hines. And then Logan Kohler comes around because of an error. And next thing you know, it's a 9-1 ball game. State puts five up in the inning. Uh, Mershon gets a double, scores Johnny Long. A lot of good things happen here. A lot of good things happen. Amani had a sack fly in the middle of all that, too. So we go from 4-1 to 9-1. And at this point, again, the game is over. State has broken this thing open, and uh, you've got plenty of guys to pitch. We're trying to close this thing out. They bring in a pinch hitter, J.P. Herholz, who hasn't hit all year. And it looked like he was going to strike out rather awkwardly. But instead, he ends up doubling. I guess he singled to right, and we threw him out at second, trying to stretch it there. And Jared Brown scores from third. But it, it never really felt like we were in trouble here. And then lo and behold, in, in the eighth, it's Connor Heizak again. Comes up with a man on base, comes through with an RBI opportunity, and makes it 10-2. So State wins the game on Sunday and uh, wins the, the series. But we cannot keep stacking non-conference losses. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that everything is going to be okay because I don't know that. But here's what I do know. I do know that uh, the kids played hard for us yesterday. I've read some things out there, too, and it's incredible to me that it's always um, it's always somebody that, that claims to have a source. And they say, well, you know, Lamontis has lost a team. Guys, that's just not true. I, I've seen no evidence of that, and I, I'm around the program probably as much as anybody that's not in the program. But there's just no evidence of that. None whatsoever. That, that become when we have a bad loss, and sometimes that happens in sports. I don't know if you've played a lot of sports, but sometimes despite your best efforts, you just get beat. And that's what happened to us on Saturday. Absolutely what happened to us on Saturday. But the kids played hard on Sunday, and I can tell you, I, I talked to a lot of parents, talked to a lot of players uh, post-game. There's still a lot of buy-in. They're still determined to, uh, to have a good year. And that's the thing you start thinking about is, man, what if we could string together three great pitching performances? You know, we had two pretty good ones last weekend, and one really good one, and the one we lost was the great one. But if you begin to run the numbers here and you begin to think, hey, if we can go out there and hold somebody down for six or seven innings, with what you've got on, going on with Cam Schulke and others, maybe you got a chance to get some good ball games. And I know that's asking a lot. But uh, it appears we have some guys with that type of potential. We just got to string it together. And Justin Parker, a lot's going to fall to him. All right, take a look now through eight games. Uh, your leading hitter is Amani Larry. 
who's hitting 382. He also leads the team in runs scored, hits, and doubles. Maybe you were unaware of that. He also has an on-base percentage of 463. That is really good work from your leadoff hitter. Hunter Hines, even though he has struggled at times with lefties and the strikeouts are still a little bit higher than we need them to be, uh, they're eight, which is not the team lead. Uh, Hunter's hitting 333. We need Hunter to get going, for sure. He hadn't hit a home run yet, got six RBIs. Dakota Jordan hitting 290, but, man, I don't know how well he's seeing the baseball now. I think at times he's trying to do too much. I'm not being critical. I'm just kind of making an observation here. But he's got 12 strikeouts, a ton of strikeouts so far from a guy that we need to be a contact hitter, a guy that we need to really lead this team, especially in power numbers. But he's got a couple of home runs now, and maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe we're focusing too much on hitting home runs rather than just hitting line drives. And with all the power that that guy has, he doesn't need to generate power. It's going to come anyway. Bryce Chance now hitting 267. Connor Hyzak up to 250. A couple of hits yesterday really helped him. Uh, Johnny Long, 214. And then after that, nobody's hitting above 200 among the regulars. However, Dave Mershon and Logan Kohler have both been injured. Mershon has now played in three games. He's hitting 462. Yeah, this weekend, his first action of the year. So um, that, that's a guy getting me six hits on a weekend. I can live with that, especially in the two-hole. And Logan Kohler, of course, now hitting 385. Five hits, and he's only played in five games, and uh, one of those was the pinch-hitting situation against Austin P in the midweek. So you get those guys healthy, all of a sudden there is a little more room for optimism about this offense. And I think sometimes a guy like Dakota and Hunter, when they know there's not a ton of length behind them because of some injuries, maybe you're pressing trying to do a little bit too much. I know people say, well, what does that mean? Guys, what that means is – when you're up there just trying to hit home runs because you feel like all the pressure, hey, we're not going to score unless I park one here. Instead of going with the pitch, instead of hitting the pitch where it is, you try to do too much. And you take that outside pitch and you hope that you're strong enough to pull out of the ballpark. And when you're not, it's a routine fly ball to center. Or you top it, it's a routine ground ball to the shortstop or the second baseman. And so I think what you'll see with those guys that you guys are so concerned about is I think now that they begin to see some guys behind them, and certainly ahead of them, with Larry and Hunter getting – Larry and uh, David over the weekend, really good job getting on base to allow – afford our guys opportunity to hit off pitcher in a stretch. I think you're going to see them settle in a little bit because not quite as much uh, much pressure on them. Joe Powell, we mentioned, he's our uh, number two catcher right now. Is Ross Highfield still on the mend a little bit. Uh, I'm not worried about Ross. I know what a competitor he is. But uh, Joe hitting 300 – Played in four games, started in three. And, uh, again, great feature yesterday. Really enjoyed having a chance to sit and visit with Joe uh, post-game on Saturday, despite the loss. Uh, he was really, really good and uh, told us a little bit of his story. You know, we added him during the break, so we didn't get a chance to interview him like we do the normal recruits and transfers. On to the pitching side. Guys, Nate Dom, uh, two appearances, two starts, a 1-0 record. His ERA is 0.84. We expect that to go up. We do. We're not naive. But a great start to the year for him, 10.2-thirds of an inning. He's allowing a little bit less than a hit per inning, but he's allowed one earned run and two appearances, 14 punch-outs against three walks. And one of those walks was intentional. Yeah. Uh, Gerangelo, uh, two appearances, two starts for him. He's also 1-0 on the year. His ERA is two. Yeah, two flat. So when you start thinking about, hey, right now I got two guys – that are shoving like this, it makes your prospects of winning a weekend great. And listen, Cal Steven is not a guy that I'm worried about. 
to kind of further illustrate uh, Gerangelo's dominance over the weekend, batting average against Gerangelo, you want to take a stab at it? Yeah, it's three points over uh, 100. It's .103 when you go uh, as long as he did yesterday and just get, surrender one hit. And let's not forget the zeros he put up after that first inning. Cal Stevens' ERA balloons up a little bit at 7.71. It's still early. We do, That's going to come down. We expect that to come down. But, he's, again, he's averaging right at a hit per inning. Also just under a run per inning because of what happened on uh, on Saturday. But he's a competitor. He'll bounce back. I thought Luke Dodson was a was a nice – maybe he gets lost in the discussion because Saturday was not good. But uh, Luke gets in the game. He's pitched twice now for us. His ERA is zero. Three and a third innings pitch, six punches, uh, one walk, and no hits. Cole Cheatham has been the matchup guy, and uh, Cole's been good for us too. He's really taken on his role. I, I think he's probably a guy when somebody stacks left-handers, you can – Put him in there and let him ride for a little while. But uh, it's really been good. His ERA also zero. Brooks Auger's ERA, zero. I thought Brooks was good over the weekend, too. Five and a third innings pitch, three hits, seven strikeouts, uh, two walks. So let's kind of look here at the team as a whole here. Guys, it's 96 strikeouts and 25 walks. And, I, and even with that, it seems like those walks came in two games. You know, we haven't had this big epidemic of walks uh, like we've had the last couple of years. That hadn't really been the case. Hit by pitches, they're nine. like to see that number come down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, we're doing a pretty good job. And opponents hitting 255 against us. And, again, when you consider the week we had last week, especially the Wednesday game and the Saturday game, it kind of makes sense because most of those hits have come in those two games. Still fielding it pretty well, too. We'll, uh, we'll dig into that here just a second before we get out of here. But, um, you know, as a team, 979. You got uh, turned four double plays. As a team, we've had uh, six errors. Now, our opponents have made 15. And, uh, listen, there were a couple times, too, there's been a couple balls that I disagree with the scoring. But uh, six errors in eight games, you know, that's less than an error per game. And if you recall early on, we had a couple – uh, against Air Force in one game. But, uh, yeah, defensively you're playing well. You're pitching it better. We just need the bats to come around. And, uh, you know, this is an offense last year that was a pretty good offense at times. And this year we, we do think they still have a chance to be elite now that you start getting some guys healthy. And uh, you may not be aware of this, but State will play a, a Jackson State team tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon that's 6-2. Uh, and two. Since we won't have a chance to talk before then, uh, they opened up the season in the Astros Cactus Jack HBCU Classic. Love the fact that we have so many of these uh, season opening deals. But um, they lose the opener in Minute Maid Park to Texas Southern. They bounce back to beat Alcorn 11-5 and Grand Point State 7-6. Uh, this past Tuesday, they play a doubleheader against Tougaloo and they beat them 11-1, 12-2. I don't know how good Tougaloo is expected to be this year, but, you know, it's that's not a, a team that you expect to, uh, you know, to really shake up uh, college baseball by any stretch of the imagination. You don't. Nothing against those guys. I'm sure they're doing the best they can, but um, not exactly sure what to expect from them. But uh, Mississippi Valley State was the weekend opponent for Jackson State. The Tigers take the series two games to three. 
six to two, twenty-three to one, and then they lose in Jackson seven to three on Sunday. So the uh, the Delta Devils able to uh, to salvage a win. Let's take a quick look here at the uh, at the team statistics here. Joseph Eichelberger is leading the team. And he's played in seven games, started seven, so it's not like it's some anomaly where he's like had four pinch hits. He's hitting 692. That's a loud number. 692, mostly singles, 15 singles, a couple doubles, a triple. But uh, really doing a nice job for the Tigers there. Rodney Hibbler Jr. hitting 379, and then uh, Jordan McLeodie hitting 333. Uh, so Eichelberger, really, really, really off to a great start. He is a junior from Lithonia, Georgia. And, uh, again, has had a hit in every game. Yeah, it, it, it's incredible how the average continues to ride well when uh, when you go up there and just hit the baseball and try to do too much. But uh, interesting, I can't remember the last time we had a guy come to Duty Noble Field this, at this point in the season that was hitting almost 700. Uh, from a pitching standpoint, you know, in years past, they have thrown weekend guys against us uh, because, you know, it's a much bigger deal to them to beat us than it is for us to beat them. And so you're never going to have the swack at large team. So you begin to kind of ask yourself, why would you do that, right? Why wouldn't you just want to win your conference? But um, they've done it in the past. But uh, Isaiah Williams leads a team. He's a 2-0 record with uh, two starts, also has a complete game. He's pitched 13 innings. Uh, not sure if we see him. Batting average against is 196, 20 punch outs against uh, six walks. And you look at this team as a staff, those numbers have improved tremendously. I mean, this is a team at times you look at, and yes, in Jackson State and Grambling have kind of been the class of the SWAC. Occasionally you'll have somebody else make a run. But they love their baseball at Jackson State, and they've had some, some great players over the years that have gone to the major league success. But – it's right at a just over a two to one ratio strikeout to walks. And when we played some swag teams in the past, it becomes a walkathon. But 78 punch outs for them against 32 walks. And nine of those walks, Christian Womble, uh, one of their regular starters, uh, who's actually started two games for them, has got nine of those walks. But outside of that, the numbers are really good. And so, listen, this is a team that's going to come in here. Should they have a talent to compete with Mississippi State? Probably not. But don't be surprised if you look up halfway through the game and it's it's a ball game. I'd love to come out there and put up 10 runs in the first inning. I, I'd absolutely love that. I think it'd be absolutely amazing. But uh, I don't know that that's going to be the case. right? And I don't, you don't either. You know, we've had some swag teams come in here and give us some trouble. You know, it's true. I guess we've lost to one. If we lost to Texas Southern. Lamonis' second year, maybe? Maybe, maybe. maybe I'm misremembering. I think it was in 2020. But, um, you know, looking back, again, I don't know what they're going to do pitching-wise. But last week against um, Tougaloo, and they had the doubleheader, they, uh, they started uh, Stevens Spurgeon Jr. and then brought in Tyshawn Patty. Uh, so we'll see midweek swag pitch, and we should be able to handle that. I don't know where I'm going to overanalyze that and break it down, that kind of stuff. The reality of it is the state should be able to win that game. Uh, but it's, it's a Jackson State team that's going to come in here with some confidence and say, hey, let's try Mississippi State on for size. Now, reminder, too, your, your series this weekend against the Mount, 
St. Mary's of Maryland, uh, Mount St. Mary's of Maryland. Uh, they will come rolling in on uh, Thursday. So we will preview that series on Wednesday because it does. it is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday deal. And then uh, we're going to head down to Pearl next Tuesday. So be prepared for that. A lot of baseball coming on the next weekend. The Evansville Aces come in. And the next thing you know, after we finish up down in Biloxi, we're going to get ready for some SEC baseball as the defending NAFL champs come in. But when you look at this next little stretch here, Jackson State, Mount St. Mary's, uh, Southern Miss should have a good team. You always expect that, that to be a real battle. And then the Evansville Aces. You know, State's got to find a way. You, you really can't drop maybe one game in this stretch. We've we got to string together some weekends and uh, kind of make up for some of the, the, the Austin Pete thing. And, again, they're playing well, but the reality of it is is we should always beat them. All due respect to them and their program. It just shouldn't happen that way. And, again, we may look back at the end of the year and say, you know what, those guys are pretty good. But you know what, Mississippi State should always beat Austin Pete. Always. All right, if you hadn't done so, go to whenthebottomfalls.com, and you can get my newest book there, When the Bottom Falls. And all of my sports titles, that's Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, Dogpile. And uh, pretty soon, I'm months away now, but we'll have uh, the dude up for pre-sale. Uh, already got, uh, we're three chapters into that. Probably end up being somewhere around 22, 23 chapters. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, we got a lot of work to do. Got about three months to kind of finish that up. And uh, so we're trying to work through this, do a chapter a week, and uh, really do a good job on the research because I don't want to spend a ton of time having to go through editing and fact-checking, get it right the first time. And uh, I'll still have to answer all those questions. You know, the editor still will question this, and they'll look behind me. There's a ton of dates and names and things like that. And so those are the things you just simply can't do. It's not like writing a book about your own life. Not a lot of fact-checking required for that, but there is – when you do a historical book like this, especially when this book has never been written. You know, there's a lot of people out there that have biographies written about their life or about their era, but there's never really been one about Duty Noble. And so a few pockets of information out there, but we've had to work really hard to get this. So look forward to sharing that with you. Again, we, we unveiled the cover last week. All right, and uh, come join us over at jeanspage.com. All right, so, uh, so sure, come out here and be with us for sure at jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.